0: Welcome to the Hello Lovely podcast. I'm your host, Christy Williams, and I teach women how to be themselves. As an exclusive life coach for women, I'll teach you how to manage anxiety, make decisions you're confident in, and stop beating yourself up. So, let's get started. So, today I have the honor of Christa Saint-Germain on the podcast today, and I have so much to say to introduce you, but take a moment and sit back and just, would you introduce yourself, Krista, a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I'm Krista St. Germain and I'm a master certified coach and I came to this work because my husband died a little over five years ago. If you had asked me before then, if I would ever be coaching widowed moms, the answer would have been a resounding, what are you even talking about? Um, But after my own husband died, which completely caught me off guard, Um, I just kind of found myself in that position, which I now refer to as like a grief plateau where I was past the acute grief, right? I was back to functioning, but I was really hollow and I was really kind of believing that I should probably just be grateful for this amazing relationship that I had and just resign myself to this new normal that everyone was talking about. Um, but what that really meant was like, not really be happy ever again. And I just happened to find coaching at right, you know, the exact right time for me where I, I was breathing and and no longer curled up in the fetal position. Everybody was telling me I was strong, but therapy really just wasn't offering me anything else. And I happened to find coaching and coaching really, really helped me, um, start to actually feel like I could love my life again. And then I started learning about post-traumatic growth and I realized that it's not just possible to get back to to where you were, but it's actually possible to take any loss or trauma and use it as leverage to, to create a life that's even more of what you want. And so that's what I figured out through coaching. And then I decided that this is the work that I was put on the planet to do. This is the work that I have to do. So that's, that's what I do now is I host a podcast called the widowed mom podcast, and I run a group called mom goes on and it's specifically for widowed moms. And that's what we work on is where are you stuck and you know what's in the way of you actually genuinely loving your life again, and and we go and do that. I love everything about
0: that. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> you know how your your life and your story grew through that. The post traumatic growth is really yeah. how um, I got connected with you. I I you know saw or heard you on a podcast, and then you know applied to become a coach myself, and <laughs> found out I was going to get you as my instructor, which.
1: <laughs> what are the odds?
0: What are the odds? Blew my mind. It was exactly right. Um you were the, definitely the teacher for me but came to actually figure out and see how that was possible for me too because my grief experience, my grief plateau was through sibling loss mm-hmm. which is completely different but I really connected with you because of your approach to grief or a traumatic mm-hmm. event like an experience that I would have considered being like How can you go on after that? And I had the same, that same thought to myself with the sibling loss, you know, um, losing my brother to suicide and then my sister to an an illness over time. So just completely different experiences, having grief be different
2: Mm -hmm. both
0: times. And so what do you think um, you would share for somebody who Maybe was in the place where you were first starting with your grief, where you said, you know, you were done with therapy, you were functioning, like, what did you feel there that was like mm-hmm. a turning point for you to be like, oh, you know, coaching might work for me?
1: Yeah, it was probably a little bit before that where, you know, I didn't even really know it was an option. And I just remember feeling um, hollow, right? Kind of empty. Mm-hmm. So it was, it's cliche, but it it really is true. It was surviving, but there was no thriving in sight. And, you know, the kids were doing as well as I thought they could be doing. I was doing as well in terms of the daily functioning as one could expect, right? The to-do list, you know, items were being checked and I was back at work and, and I wasn't crying all day or anything, but I was just kind of at that point, I was like, is this surely this can't be it. Like, what if is this, this yes. is, it? is this it, right? Like really are my best days behind me? I, I know they can't, you know, I don't want to believe that. So it's kind of like this little, little piece of you that really does worry that that's true. And then another little piece of you that has this glimmer of hope of, well, maybe that isn't all there is, right? And, yes. and for me, I really wanted, and what appeals to me, probably why I coach the way that I do. I really wanted tools. I didn't just want platitudes. I didn't just want positive thinking and, you know, finding gratitude and, you know, all of that. I actually wanted, okay, what do I actually need to use and apply to make my life different? And that's what coaching gave me.
0: Yes, exactly. Okay. So two things that really stand out there that I feel really link with self-esteem and just an experience with so many women, even if they haven't, even if it hasn't been a loss of that kind or grief plateau is that thinking of, is this all there is? Like I'm breathing, I'm living, like Mm -hmm. I am also grateful. And, but also like, is this it? Like are the best days behind me?
1: Right. Yeah. And am I, am I doing what I'm, what I even want to do with my life? That was another big thing that happened. And I I don't think it takes the loss of a spouse for that to happen either. When all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, it was, it was his loss that made me see so clearly how short life could be right. And how precarious it could be. And then it made me just want to reevaluate everything. Like, okay, why am I in this career? What am I doing? Is this what I want to be doing? Is this the mark that I want to have on the world? Uh, What even is this life about? Who even am I? I distinctly remember a moment looking in my bathroom mirror where I just really wasn't sure I knew who I was anymore. It was like, I saw me and I knew it was me, but I didn't really recognize myself and that wasn't going to work for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, I can identify that with so much. Okay. So I have a concept that I share with the, the women I work with. I would love to know your thoughts on it if, because it just sounds like kind of connected to that is sure. like through loss. Cause sometimes the women I work with are building self-esteem after a loss, whether it's yeah, been, you know, maybe a husband or a parent or a sibling, a friend, and this idea, this concept that you have an identity shift when you lose someone close to you like that, like your identity shifts and you do have that moment where there's that, who am I? Because of, mm-hmm. of somebody who has been a part of your life in such a big way that you identify with and have all these mm-hmm. experiences with is, is not the same. And so it's like, what can happen is your identity will get like rebuilt, like without doing anything, but it's kind of by like a default like almost like you were saying in that hollow way where it's like, well, yeah, now I'm I'm living and I'm surviving, but it can also be rebuilt on purpose. Totally. Using some coaching tools. Like it's like, oh, it's not just, the question doesn't just end with like, who am I or who do I want to be? But it gets answered and then you can intentionally rebuild your identity using like all of the pieces that you still love about yourself. You don't have to like, <laughs> like you don't completely burn yourself to the ground but like you can rebuild your identity and go from thinking who am i to oh i know exactly who i am i love my life this way and it was my yeah. design
1: yeah you get to like choose how you want to see yourself i think that's where a lot of people get tripped up too is sometimes we think it's something we have to discover and we can go on this like <sighs> like deep jerks, like as though there's a right and a wrong answer and we have to find the right one and then you know we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to figure out the right answer when really it's just an actual choice that we get to make and i think it's made even more complicated by what's really easy to do which is to believe your mind when it offers you the story that you don't know who you are right you you might never have been where you are but the idea that you don't know who you are believing that story actually prevents you from accessing what it is you already know. Yes. Right. Yes. And so it's like, if we can just shelve that, I don't know who I am thing and go, wait a minute. Okay. I've never been where I am. What do I know? Yes. You know, then we'll start to see it. And, and I also, you know, love helping people with the values piece of that, because sometimes it's so hard to figure out what you want your life to look like. And it's really easy to get hung up on, on the how, mm-hmm as opposed to like, cause if you had asked me when Hugo died, how, how were you going to figure that? I had no clue that, you know, five and a half years later, this would be what I do for a living. And this would be how I, you know, created a life that I love, but I could have, what would have been easier for me to access, which is what I think we want to leverage is like, what do I value? Because I know what I value, right? Even after great loss, I can come and in touch with what I value. And then that can teach me so much about what I want going forward and, and help me see who I really am, which is a person who values, you know, kindness, compassion, connection, growth. Yes. Oh, I love that
0: so much. Yes. What do I value? Like, what do I already know about myself? right? Like if that question comes up, who am I? Answer it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. You
0: already know, you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's more like you just, you're in a foreign country and you got dropped off there and you don't speak the language, but it's still you. Yeah. Right? Even if you've never been to this foreign country, you don't speak the language. It's not like you're like, I don't know who I am anymore. No, it's like, okay, I'm in this new country. I've never been here before. And I don't, I don't speak the language. I don't even have a map, but I still know who I am.
0: Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, I love that. I'm going to totally borrow that. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. So I would love to go in this direction and see what your thoughts on it too is like grief is so personal. um, And the journey through grief is so different for everyone and um, all of it is okay. But I think sometimes there is a a feeling that when we're going through grief, especially through a loss of of a person, because we can grieve things too. Like we can experience grief outside of Loss of a loved one, you bet. But grief in that way, in that sense, loss of a loved one—it's like this idea. When clients come and they share their grief, that oh, they should be further along, or someone else is doing so much better than me, or this person wasn't mad, or I—I was—I was okay. I wasn't as mad or mad at all when I lost this person. And
2: right.
0: How would you? How would you kind of like talk someone through? Maybe somebody who was sharing that—that that grief maybe that they're behind in it or should look a certain way.
1: Yeah, right. I swear that's like 90% of the battle yeah. is, all the judgment, is the judgment of our own experience, right? So so I like to just think about grief as, first of all, the, the like a normal, natural human response to any sort of perceived loss. But even though it's normal and it's natural, it is different by the person, right? So it's really the loss happens and then we have lots of thoughts and feelings about it. Right. And those thoughts and feelings about the loss then make up our grief experience. But every human has different thoughts and different feelings. Every human has, you know, a different way of seeing the world and a way of seeing what has happened to them. So to try and compartmentalize, you know, or or shove ourselves into nice, tidy little boxes with linear progression is insanity. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it's insanity. And it's in, and it's made worse because we kind of live in this culture that just really, really isn't that into grief and really doesn't talk about it very much. So, you know, what we have talked about is, uh, you know, overly simplified, right? So a lot of grief theory is, it's just like weight loss theories. There's a million different ways that people, you know, think that you can lose weight. Right. And there's a million different theories about grief too. and. But some of the most popular ones that have really caught our attention, people have overly simplified them and taken them to mean, you know, specifically, I'm thinking of the five stages of grief, you know, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's and David Kessler's work, and, and they have made it mean that there is some sort of stages, which we're all supposed to pass through in a particular order in a particular way that take a particular amount of time. And then once we do that, you know, linear progression, we get to a pot of gold or we get a medal or we cross a finish line (laughs) and it's over. Right. (laughs) And if that doesn't match up with our lived experience, then we make ourselves wrong. Yes. And of course it doesn't match up with our lived experience because that's never even the way they intended. (laughs) people do interpret their theory. So um, yeah, it's a lot of how we think it should go versus how it actually goes. And then what we make that mean about ourselves as the griever.
0: Absolutely. I love that. I think that's going to help so many of the listeners Um, hearing that is like, you know, those kind of concepts or the simplified versions are kind of like, oh, this is something that could happen. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, but not that it has to look a certain way. And then there's a finish line and it takes this time and it always has that same process. It's just not the case. Yeah. Cause
1: then we're like, well, wait a minute. I think I'm supposed to be angry. Is this the part where I'm supposed to be angry? Am I angry (laughs) enough? Am I too angry? I don't know. Right. Am I supposed to bargain? I think I'm supposed to bargain. Right. (laughs) because I will bargain if I can, because that's what the book said, right? That's what the book said. And I, and I haven't done those things or I haven't done them to the extent that other people have or whatever. And it's just also unnecessary as opposed to no, actually, you know, what grief looks like for me is this. Yes. Yes. And, and, and however I'm experiencing it is okay because it's my way of experiencing it. And it's okay if it doesn't fit in a nice tidy box and it's okay if it doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like or what other people think it's going to look like. And oh, by the way, it is not something that ends, right? It's not something that ends. You know, unless the loss somehow is reversed, which it's not going to be because none of us at least I don't know anybody that knows how to travel time, but you know, um, (laughs) you know, the loss is always going to be there. So, so we're always going to have thoughts and feelings about it. And, and we just need to reframe our own goal, which is how do I adapt to the loss? How do I integrate my thoughts and feelings about what has happened and, and let that become part of the fabric of my life as opposed to becoming an obstacle, right. That prevents me from living the life that I want.
0: Yes. I love how you said that. Yeah. Because it's like, it could be scary to someone to hear, oh, the grief doesn't end. If you think that it's always going to be a hundred percent one emotion, emotion that's uncomfortable, or it right. means like, that means I can't create the life that I love. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like grief. Like you said, it's kind of weaved through and it's actually beautiful that it continues to be there because I, this is just something I choose to personally think is like, whenever I grieve, I feel like it's a special moment to remember those I love, like mm-hmm. for me. Me too. You know? Like yeah. it's my private time, <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. like just me and my songs and, and the food we used to eat together. And like, I'm going to cry my eyes out and then I'm going to laugh my head off. And, you know, it's like mm-hmm. the difference is now I know I won't be stuck in any of it. And it doesn't matter to me what people think about it. I don't feel like I need to represent that I have, um, gotten to a different place and now I'm over grief. I can just be like, no, you know, I love that. I can miss them, love them. And yeah, like love my life so much and have so much fun.
1: Yeah. What you just said there that I think is is so big is the, and right. Because we have this kind of false binary in mind where we either can miss them or be happy. Right. Like, and, and, and I think that's just such a beautiful goal to have is can we just make space for all of it? So I'm totally with you. I love, as weird as it sounds, I actually love missing him. Yes. I love it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want you to take it away from me. No. Like I, I feel like that's, that's mine. Right. And so, but, but it's, it doesn't, it doesn't define me. It doesn't limit me. It's just a part of my life experience. It's kind of a, you know, one of a multitude of, you know, many emotions that I, that I have as a human. And so it's, I miss him and right. I'm still so grateful for what I have. I miss him and I still love my life. You know, we don't have to wish that the, the thing had happened. Like, I don't, I don't have to wish that he died to still be happy again. Yes. I can, it can all coexist. And, And we think that it has to be one or the other. So I love that you said, and Yes. I love that.
0: Yeah. And cause I know there was a way of thinking about the missing that I was stuck in and I didn't see it. Like, especially for my sister was, um, oh, well now because she's died, like, I can't enjoy this anymore. Like mm. insert unlimited countless items in the, this section. and. <laughs> You know? And so it was like, okay, well, I can't do that anymore because I'll enjoy it. And that's not good. it was like this, like, and what does
1: that mean? Yeah. You
0: know? And so I realized like, once I could see it through coaching, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it was like, oh, I can enjoy it and miss her yeah, at the same time or at varying times. Like it can be yeah. so all over the place, but it wasn't that I actually couldn't enjoy things anymore because she died. It was because I mm-hmm. was thinking that I couldn't yeah. because she died. Yeah.
1: yeah. Would
0: it just feels it. so true when you mm-hmm. don't realize that you're, you're thinking it when you think, Oh, because I think it, this is it the is. finality.
2: Right.
0: How would yeah. you, cause like <laughs> as coaches, like you're like, yes, yes. You know, because uh-huh. we can see it, but like, is there a way as a coach that you share with your clients? Like, How to kind of walk through a little bit about the difference Mm -hmm. between thinking it and then the actual Mm -hmm. circumstance of yeah? Can you would you be able to do that? Like
1: yeah, no, totally. It's and it's such magic too, right? Because I think it's one of the the things that we struggle with the most, and we can learn that one one little skill. Just things, just start shifting. So I'm a big proponent of using a piece of paper to assist in this because i think it's really really difficult. So if you you know if you imagine like the proverbial like fish in water, you know you ask the fish how the water is, the fish does not know how the water is because it has always lived its entire life in the water. It doesn't know the difference. It knows nothing else <laughs> but water. Right? And so so we're we're a lot that that way with our own thinking, right? We're always so busy thinking our thoughts. It's very difficult in our mind to separate ourselves as the thinker of the thoughts, right? From the thoughts themselves. And so I think a piece of paper is tremendously useful there, which is to just take, you know, a few minutes and write down everything that's in your mind, every thought, every sentence, every word, Um, you know, fill up a page or set a timer, and then look at that paper and try to find what is factual. And by that, I don't mean what you believe But what would everyone agree on that's on that paper? And chances are that you won't find anything that is factual, maybe a couple of things, right? But then you can say, oh, okay, the difference is, right? The difference is like, there are my thoughts on this piece of paper. And then there is me reading these thoughts and I am not my thoughts and they are not me, but they are the reason why I feel the way that that I feel, right? And if these are all just my thoughts, then what would everyone agree on? Okay. So everyone would agree that my husband died. That's a fact, right? I could show you the death certificate. We would all agree on that, but I'm having a completely different emotional experience of it because of my thoughts about it compared to your thoughts about my husband's death, right? Like when my husband died, you didn't have any pain. You didn't even know my husband. So your thoughts were different about him, right? Um, So just doing that one exercise of get it out on paper, look for the facts and notice that probably there aren't any and that none of what's on that paper is actually you, right? The fish is in the water.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what's so big is like a lot of the things we say, like even these words now are my thoughts, right? They're just, yeah, my thoughts for sure. About it. And, but it's like, we live, like, this is the human experience is to live in our thoughts without seeing it. And there's a joy yeah. to that too. <laughs> but mm-hmm. when you have that like powerful tool of knowing the difference between facts, which are mm-hmm. Universally, everybody would agree, like you said, like mm-hmm. the earth
1: is round, right? Away. Well, and yeah, and even that people Maybe. are struggling with, but yeah, just, <laughs> right? Like, there's a whole flat earth, right. About it. but right, like what is it that actually happened before I had that thought? What are the facts that everybody could agree on that happened right before that thought, or what am I having that thought about? And I do think that could be tricky, which is why, you know, having a coach who's not swimming in the water that you're in, right? The coach who at who does have the perspective of being able to see your thoughts as thoughts because it's so much easier to see someone else's thoughts as thoughts, to have a coach point them out to you so you can just start getting that that little skill set, that practice. If it's got an emotional charge, it's a thought. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Facts are boring. Yes. There's no emotional charge to a fact. So if you're thinking something and it's got you feeling something, then that's a quick easy sign appears, right? It's not actually the pixels on my screen, right? In the email from my boss yeah. that caused me to think that he doesn't like me. Right. It's like <laughs> how, how you thought. Interpret. Yeah.
0: Right. For yeah. sure. And another caveat, I think that is so nice to add here is like, you still get to think all of it if you want to, and you don't have to rush away from thinking it, but knowing that these thoughts are what are influencing and creating the way you feel is good to know because you can change the way you think when you want to, when you're ready to, because you want to feel differently about the circumstance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It takes you. I think what it did for me is that it, it, it took me from a place where I felt like I was at the expense of everything around me. Right. And then when I when I realized no, actually, and I took a hundred percent responsibility for everything I ever felt or did, not in a not in a weaponizing way, but in an empowering way. Yes. Then I went, oh wait, okay. So if every piece of happiness or sadness and any any other emotion is something that happened because of something in my brain, that's amazing news because that means that's- if I've done it in the past. It's not Mr. Right that has to come to me because that's what my brain thought, right? He was Mr. Right. Like he was the one, right? And of course there would never be another him. So as long as he was responsible for my satisfaction and joy and, and excitement and zest for life, then I'm like screwed, right? Yeah. But if I actually was the one creating all of that with my thinking, then what's possible for me in the future? Well, right. All the doors start opening, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I love that you said I took
0: 100% responsibility without, um, what was the term you used? Yeah, without it? weaponizing. Weaponizing it. Yeah. yeah. It's like because yeah. we can take 100% responsibility and it doesn't include any blame. Like <laughs> sometimes we think 100% responsibility means also 100% or some kind of blame. Yeah. Of blame, but it's free of blame. Blame is added. It, it just doesn't have to be there. It's actually a so much, I think you can really take full responsibility when you don't blame either yourself or someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really yeah. is what true responsibility is.
1: Yeah. And it's more like, I like to think about it. Like, of course I felt that way because yeah. I, was, I was hooked on this thought, right? Like my, the thought appeared, I bit it like a fish on a hook, right? And I got hooked on it. And so when I got hooked on it, of course I felt that way. And of course, then my behavior was driven by that feeling. And so it all makes total sense, but there's nothing wrong with me. Right. It's just that I got hooked on that thought.
0: Yes. And then it's like this total freedom, right? It's like, you could be in a space where it feels like this big, complicated problem to solve and that you have tons of work to do. And in that small little shift, sometimes in those moments, like it it varies for everyone, but sometimes there really are moments where just in that one shift of your thinking, it's complete. Freedom, and you're like, yeah. all, like you said, all the doors are open. You're like, whoa! Actually, mm-hmm. anything really is possible from this point.
1: Yeah, it's it's always been me. It still is me,
0: right? In the and best,
1: good thing. Life. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's a great thing.
0: Yeah. Okay, so I have to touch on this because this was a turning point for me. This was kind of like one of those like oh freedom moments when you were coaching me. Because, like I said earlier, Krista was my teacher as I was getting certified as a life coach instructor and she knew my experience and I knew her experience and she lovingly offered while we were together, you know, um, in class one time, you know, Hey, if you ever want to reach out and just, you know, have a coaching moment, let's do it. You know,
1: like, yes, (laughs) you coach this brain. And so (laughs) don't tell the others though. No, no, I, and I'm (laughs) not going to lie. Yeah. There's there, there has always been something very special about you oh oh my god You're yeah you cry which is yeah beautiful I feel the same
0: way about you hashtag crushing on you okay <laughs> hashtag so, cry <laughs> oh my goodness yes so I it felt okay so now I feel like when I get coached I can be open and vulnerable with a coach mm-hmm. I understand how safe it is there
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: but in this beginnings when you reached out and I was so ready to receive that. I really wanted to be there, but I w- didn't feel safe in myself, right? I didn't feel felt safe with you, but like safe to see my own thoughts, right? It was like, yeah. Not so much. So I didn't know how much I was going to share with you, but um you created such a safe, beautiful space, which um if you're following Krista and you already know Krista, you know how she she does that just because of the person she is. But um one thing that came up for me that I was so ashamed about Sharing with mm-hmm. anyone else is that I was mad. Mm-hmm. I was mad at the loss. It's like I was so angry and mad. And I was going through that and sharing with you like how much work I had to do to not be mad. And I couldn't believe it.
1: <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember that? It's coming back to me. I had totally forgotten about it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you know, just what you were
0: saying a little bit back before, just a few minutes ago, is that, you know, of course, our thoughts create our feelings and even that like they don't have to be changed like even like even if I was thinking something that was making me mad it's okay to be mad but I couldn't see that so I was just like caught up in being mad and then ashamed on top of feeling mad yes and you just showed me that feeling mad was neutral
1: totally neutral
0: like being mad is a circumstance
1: and I think my head exploded (laughs) And I, I started yeah. laughing hysterically. Do you remember that? I do, I, I'm so glad that you laughed hysterically because I think usually when, yeah, people don't have that response. So right. I'm glad that you did. I, I see so it a lot bad. though, right? Yeah. Like I think of it as like pancaking, kind of where, um, you know, when we do it with all sorts of feelings, it's not always just the negative ones that we do it with. Sometimes it's actually the positive feelings, quote unquote positive, right? As though there is such a thing. But it's like, we feel something and then we tell ourselves we shouldn't feel that way or we judge ourselves for feeling it. And then we add another negative emotion on top of it. So yeah. um, I see, I see this happen all the time with my clients. So yeah, we feel mad and then we judge ourselves and then, you know, we feel guilty or ashamed or whatever. And instead of just acknowledging that, no, it's totally okay to feel how we're feeling. It doesn't mean anything about us. It just means we had a thought that caused the feeling and thoughts aren't moral or good or bad or right or wrong. They just are right. <clears throat> then we can have a clean experience of processing that feeling. Yes. And then if we want to change it, which maybe we will, maybe we won't, but as long as we're judging ourselves for having it, we can never get curious enough about what's causing it to see the thoughts. Right. And if we can't see the thoughts, we can't get leverage over them. So the judgment of how we feel is, is always the first place to start. I'm so glad that that shifted for you. And I think
0: also like, if you can't see the thoughts, you can't really feel the feelings either. Mm-hmm. like you're blocking yourself so even though I I knew I was mad like I couldn't process that because I it was mm-hmm. covered in shame
2: mm-hmm. and
0: so it was like just this big tangle of resisting and guilt and yeah. whatever and yeah. so when you were you showed that to me you're like oh you can feel mad like what's wrong with feeling mad like I just burst into laughter because I felt so free it's <laughs> like oh like, wait what? there's really not a problem
1: <laughs> I can <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah, oh, and yeah. and also like people do this with happiness too. Right? My clients do that all the time where they feel happy. And then, you know, they tell themselves a story about how, what that means. They didn't yes. love him enough, you know, uh they weren't a good enough spouse, all this whatever. And so then instead of being able to allow themselves to feel happy or some positive emotion, then they end up feeling guilty.
0: Yes. And then think they've done something wrong because as if guilt totally. means you are guilty of something where it's, yeah, like it's a, just
1: like layer after layer, so after many layer. Layers. instead of just being like, okay, what's the first emotion? And how about I just not judge that one? Where, where was I? <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: totally. So, and I remember, I don't know if you remember, cause now it's coming back to you, but you told me you're like, in fact, this week, why don't you try and feel as mad as much as you want <laughs> this
1: week? And I was like, Head what? exploding emoji. No. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I really, I understood what you meant by that is like, sometimes I think, you know, especially even as coaches too, but especially being new to this work, when you think that being mad means you're going to take angry actions yes, and like blow up on people. It doesn't, there's how you feel
1: and there's what you do. And they are completely different things. Yeah. Yeah. Did I ever tell you that story about what happened at master coach training? No. Being happy. So I got to tell you, this is so good. It's a good oh visual for anyone who's listening, right? So, so, we're at master coach training in the Cayman Islands, which did not suck, <clears throat> but in a room, in a room full of other coaches. And one of the master coaches is Rachel Hart. She asked me to stand in the middle of the room and she said, I want you to close your eyes. And for two minutes, I want you to uh, be happy. And so, okay. So I closed my eyes and she sets the timer. No one's talking. Right, and everyone's looking at me, and so what do I do? Right, I start like running around the room and like air high fiving people and like, jumping up and down and like you know, I start acting happy, not being happy. And when she stopped the timer and she showed me, she was like, "Okay, what just happened?" And 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 it really hit me. Oh. Wow okay being happy if i were truly just being happy that would be happening inside of me no one would have to know anything about what was happening that doesn't mean anything on the outside of my person that doesn't mean any behavior that just means letting the vibration of happiness be with me in my body and i will never forget that no. right but that's what we like if i'm angry that means i have to yell or whatever right. slam doors or be mean to someone right like right. quote unquote right yeah. Oh, but P.S. also loved that you were jumping on high Oh my gosh. I'm sure it's a good <laughs> thing those women are my friends. Like, they were probably like, wow, what is happening? I'm like, here? that sounds like a natural action for me in daily life. <laughs> I was like, okay, be happy. Woohoo. High five. Yeah. No. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But the, and the interesting thing, I think that's such a great visual. Thank you so much for sharing that. The interesting thing is like, when you open yourself up to feel, like you said, mm-hmm. when you really acknowledge like the feeling part, you don't it's not what you think it's going to be almost like yeah. when I allowed myself to just feel as mad, like just be open to, Hey, anytime you feel mad, just feel mad. It went yeah. however many times you want. I didn't feel mad.
1: All- <laughs> the whole process,
0: doesn't it? Yeah. It's like a freedom to, yeah. as soon as you allow yourself to feel it mm-hmm. separated from actions, feel it. It's yeah feelable. And so just like yeah. any, like breathing, it's just in and out. It's emotions just keep changing and you're not stuck in it. You're not trapped in it. You're not judging it. It just, mm-hmm.
1: it has no power over you.
0: Zero. Yeah. Zero. So, so yeah. So that's like the biggest takeaway from our coaching session. Yay. <laughs> it was Yay. The, like,
1: yeah, you know, and nobody wants to do that feelings work, but I don't know about you, but that's why I always start with it. Because it's it, I didn't learn it until coaching, and um I, I think if if somebody you know enters a coaching relationship and the only thing they learn is how to allow feelings so that they end up believing that feelings don't have any power over them and feelings can't hurt them, then that one skill will change their entire lives. And so that's always why it's the first thing I, I start with. girl, we are so lined up.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yes. Nobody wants
1: to do it though they're like, you yeah. want to feel my feelings. Yeah. But who can blame them? I mean, I don't think usually people don't know what we're talking about. So who would want to, if you think you're allergic to a food, why would you want to eat it? Exactly. Like I think that's what they think we're asking them to do. Like our whole lives, you know,
0: culturally or wherever it's like been generational. It's like the solution to your feelings is one, don't talk about them. Two, If it's not positive or happy, like don't tell anybody. And three, Mm -hmm. you should be embarrassed for having any. And Mm -hmm. It's like really just sharing, like, that's just been a generational repeat because Mm -hmm. it comes from a beautiful motive of, I want you to quote, feel better, yeah. but we won't always feel better. So I love to make the emotional work fun. Like, listen, when you're feeling dread or fear, like that doesn't feel super wonderful, but when you can make the emotional education fun, like it's Mm great. And, um, like it, it, you know, what kind of tingle are you feeling? And like, you're totally safe here is to me, like you said, the most powerful part of the coaching work right from the get-go, because Mm -hmm. your emotional experience is why you decide to do or not do anything. So Mm -hmm. it's just that like really powerful place to come Mm -hmm. from. It's like, I feel like really that like teaching women that, is what's going to build self-esteem generationally is it's like Mm -hmm. if we can change that generational passing of like don't cry get it together keep calm be quiet and and change it to something that works with your emotions Mm -hmm. don't have all those answers yet but like they're they're starting to come together and they're also personal too but it's like we can change like what people use as current solutions to your feelings instead of And and instead become like how to take the best care of your feelings.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think adding on to that, that you're not responsible for anybody else's feelings. Yes. Newsflash for me anyway. That's huge. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right, And I think most of us, especially if we're socialized as women, like we're taught to believe that it's our job to make people feel good as though that's a thing that we actually can do. And so to relearn that and really take responsibility for our own emotions, but not take responsibility for other people's emotions, it's a big deal. My clients really struggle with it a lot too, because you've got, you know, most of them have kids who are grieving. Well, how do you make your kids feel better? You know, you want to make your kids feel better, but it's just really not within your ability to do because you can't think their thoughts. And how do you make peace with that?
0: Exactly. And I think there's a little disconnect there, like in the self-esteem work too. It's like I, sometimes my clients, when they're you know doing the work, it's like, well, if I'm afraid to think that if I'm not responsible for other people's feelings that I'll become this jerk.
1: <laughs> mm. but there's yeah. A, that makes me insensitive. Yeah. But it's
0: mm-hmm. so the opposite. Can you share a little bit about how it's really the opposite? I think it would be powerful to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Um, If we're always, if we're always spinning our wheels, trying to control things we can't control, right? Other people's thoughts, other people's feelings, then that leaves us less able to put our attention. It leaves us literally less energy, right? To control what we can control. So we end up putting our energy in directions which are particularly ineffective, right? So if I'm trying to control how you're feeling, then I'm not able to to focus on my own thoughts and feelings, right? Which then has me needing you to change and unable to help myself change, which is the complete opposite of what's effective. So if I can let you have your own feelings and work on me feeling good, even when you're not, right, then I can be that calm, compassionate presence for myself and for you, right? And therefore I'm better at supporting myself and I'm better at supporting you because I'm focused on what I actually can control instead of what I can't. Totally. Which totally. which is the opposite of arrogance or insensitivity, I think.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's like saying we're not responsible for other people's feelings doesn't mean we don't care about people's feelings or we aren't interested mm-hmm. in feelings. We just recognize that what someone thinks and what someone feels is gonna be completely different and has nothing to do with you, what you're thinking and yeah. you're thinking, right. So that's yeah. why that's why you can even have like um ten people in a room and they're all gonna think and feel different things about a
1: tomato. <laughs> right. That's a great example. Like if a tomato yeah, meanwhile the tomato's just being the tomato, <laughs> right? Like that's a great place. I don't to- like tomatoes, by the way. Yeah, I love them. See? That's my thought. I like them, I like them cooked, but I don't like them raw. Those are my teas. I love it. See, I love tomatoes yeah. any kind of yeah. way.
0: So you guys, yeah. like, are you hearing this? Like, what we're saying is you are the tomato.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so if yeah, Krista, some people will like you. Yeah, if Chris is like,
0: hey, I'm not a fan of tomatoes, it not it's really not your fault.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: I'm
1: going to use that one because I really do have very strong thoughts about, you. <laughs> right? Meanwhile, about it. Meanwhile,
0: yeah, like
1: you, yeah. you, you could be the most perfect tomato. I still probably wouldn't like you so be like, yeah. and it wouldn't have anything to do with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be like, look how pretty it is. <laughs> and I'll be like, Oh yeah. yeah <laughs> so
0: kind of like one thing I wanted to, one more thing I wanted to bounce off you and then get kind of your final thoughts today too, yeah. is the idea that there's this fear That, again, other people will think, I'm being emotional if I'm crying Mm -hmm. or I'm grieving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And something that I realized through this work is, one, emotional is a good thing. (laughs)
2: Mm
0: -hmm. And I think we have just seen it in a different perspective generationally, is that emotional means there's a problem with you. Mm -hmm. You're too sensitive. But really being emotional and sensitive means you're a human being.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: You're not a robot, right? Robots are not emotional. Robots are not sensitive. So if you can see yourself as an emotional being, like every human is an emotional being, and that's the most beautiful thing. It's like taking off these labels that we shouldn't, like emotional is attached to something negative.
1: Right. What are your thoughts on that? So many. <laughs> um, okay, so so one of the main things I I think you're saying is that it's like we're shifting from feelings are problems to be solved, right? To feelings are what make life beautiful. I love it. Right? Feeling feelings are what make life rich and interesting, and give depth to the human experience. How boring would it be, right? If we didn't have them, or if we had only a narrow band of them. I've been I've been working on this training. And one of the, the visual images that I'm using is just kind of this like roller coaster, right? So if you think about all of the emotions that are available to us as humans and you stack them with the lowest vibrations at the bottom and the highest vibrations at the top, right? So at the bottom is like despair. And then you progress up through anger and then, you know, you get to like hopelessness and then maybe there's like neutral in the middle and then optimism and all the way up to ecstasy, right? Then- what a lot of us are doing is because we have so many thoughts about how we're we're supposed to be happy or we're not supposed to have the negative emotions. Is that instead of being able to experience the whole top of the roller coaster and the bottom of the roller coaster, is we kind of li- we limit ourselves to this band in the middle, which I'm calling the stagnation zone, where it's like, yeah, meh, right? It's like numb, meh, eh, right? It's surviving, but it's not really living is not really the full depth and so that but that's a choice we get to make it's not good or bad or right or wrong or superior or inferior to live in that little stagnation kind of place of meh but it is a choice that we get to make and so that's the way i want to shift from thinking about it is that because i used to think i'm supposed to be happy i'm supposed to be happier than i am mm-hmm. it took me forever to realize no it's it's just you're, you live in a culture that's selling you happiness
2: mm-hmm.
1: right you're not actually supposed to be happy all the time you just, you just live in a culture that tells you, you should spend a lot of money to feel happy. But what really what you want is you want to allow yourself all of it. You want to allow the highs and allow the lows. Have you ever seen, and then I'll shut up. No, please no. never seen um, <laughs> the movie. It's it's an old movie with Steve Martin called parenthood. No, I love it. Okay, you, you have to go watch it. So at the very end of, well, not the very end, but near the end of the movie, there's this kind of crazy grandma character. And, you know, she's just always saying things that are off the wall or doing things that are just a little bit zany. And she talks about, they're having the husband and wife, Steve Martin and his wife are having this argument and she jumps in with a random grandma story. And she was like, you know, some people like the merry-go-round, right? She's like, but I like the roller coaster because on the merry-go-round, she's like, you just go around, right? but on the roller coaster, you go up and you go down and, you know, and it, to me, it's just that it's like, we get to, we get to choose. Do we want the merry-go-round? There's nothing wrong with the merry-go-round, right? But it's predictable and it's muted a little bit, or do we want the full range? And if we want the full range, we've got to stop telling ourselves that feelings are problems and we're supposed to be happy all the time. And we have to start telling ourselves that the whole range of human emotions is the goal,
0: right? That we have
1: bought a ticket to the roller coaster because that's the choice we want. Not because yep. there's anything wrong with the merry-go-round, but because we chose the roller coaster, right? And I just always thought that's not what you're supposed to do. You're just supposed to be happy all the time. I
0: love that so much. And I think it's so great that you brought out the striving and the numb, because I think that's where a lot of people land because of their mm-hmm. experiences up to this point. And because there is a knowledge gap just universally in emotions and feelings. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't want to keep feeling that striving and numb and want to see what it's like to have the emotional experience where you can be familiar with your emotions and not judge them and it feel like the spectrum from this powerful place of like being a human who's alive. Yeah. Like coaching really can help you with that. Like, you know, working with Krista, working with myself, like this is some of the work that we do. And I think it's just really important to mention now, like if you are feeling numb or you feel like, oh, this is just how it is. Like, no, like mm-hmm. I I'm pleading with you to hear me on. This is like, I was there with you. Krista was there with you. Like, it yeah. does feel like that's actually pretty successful. That's like being the best it can be. And also, yes, <laughs> like there, there's so many levels to that. Like, yes, that is a success. It's not a problem, but if you see yourself wanting more than that, it doesn't have to stay there in that numbness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think we get, we associate what's familiar with what's possible, right? Yeah. Oh, it's sure. like we're so used to being there that it's just hard and and it can be scary a lot. I, I am coaching people on this all the time. And maybe you do too. It's it actually kind of scary when you're used to being numb or sad or, you know, feeling something that's not quite what you want, then sometimes to, to have an experience of joy or happiness where... It can really make you yeah like <laughs> be like ah like it, it, is it a, am I allowed to feel good is the other shoe going to drop you know do I need to be protecting myself is it getting too good like what does it mean to let the goodness in it's totally okay and normal to go through that but if if you really do want the life with the full range of emotions then you know it's worth going through yes I think it's pretty great. (laughs) It is pretty great. And also sometimes it feels terrible, but you just get good at that. Exactly.
0: I remember when I first started coaching and, you know, being coached, I mean, like when Mm -hmm. I, Mm -hmm. and I was like, just discovering my thoughts, create my feelings. I had initially gotten into that as a client because I ha- had such high anxiety and I remember walking through mm-hmm. this door behind me feeling so much anxiety where mm-hmm. I would used to be like thinking I need to solve for this and something's wrong and I remember walking through that door and, be- and saying to myself oh I'm just thinking something
2: mm-hmm.
0: complete relief like Blood pressure went back to like yeah. a, a, a usual, <laughs> there was nothing to solve. And I think that was a turning point of like, oh, even when, yeah. even when I'm experiencing an emotion that doesn't feel delightful, it's okay. And I'm here for it and showing up for it that way gave me myself back, like myself in my experience versus I have to survive through anxiety. Yeah,
1: Totally. Yeah. It's it's like the difference between being able to be present with your life, and you know, not right trying to wish it away, change it, make it something different, yes. compared to just relaxing into whatever it is that's happening for you.
0: Yes, I love it. So it has been just beautiful having you on. Is there anything else that you think you would like to share, or before we close, I want to keep going forever, but
1: <laughs> I know, right? Maybe we'll do it again. No, I mean, I think we've covered so much good stuff. I just love you. That's it. <sighs>
0: I love you. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on today. Um, Krista, please share with us where the listeners can find you if they want to follow you or work with you.
1: Yeah, sure. So if grief is your thing... Um, coaching with is the easiest place. That's my website and it has all the social connections. And then the widowed mom podcast is my podcast. So, you know, of course it is for widowed moms, but I get a lot of people that listen that just want to learn more about grief and post-traumatic growth. And I welcome everyone to that podcast.
0: Yes. And I have to tell you this because I, you just shared that, that Listen, if you're a lovely on this podcast, listen to Krista's podcast too, because I have lovely listeners and people in my community that's like, oh, I know Krista and I listen to her all the time. They, I just love yeah. her voice. It's so-, oh,
1: it's so strange to hear that, but I do hear it a lot, but I'll just take it in. Take it. <laughs> I'll just take it in. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on today, Krista. Oh, totally my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: lovely if you want to be more confident on the outside you have to start on the inside if you don't take time to create an amazing relationship with yourself it will show up in every other area of your life if you feel stuck or don't know how to be yourself i invite you to work with me one-on-one go to misschristywilliams.com and sign up for a free call to join my six-month program that's ms C H R I S T I E Williams dot com, and I'll see you in session.